Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day to those of you that are fathers. Uh, anybody here who does not have a father? All right. Um, I want to welcome everybody who is uh, online joining us. And if you are here in person or online and have a prayer request, I want to encourage you to let me know. You have my cell number, or should, and uh, if not, see me after the service. And we will be, I will be happy to pray for you and uh, want to encourage you to uh, share prayer requests with others as we seek to build a culture of prayer here at the church. Well, we're going to be starting a study in the book of Daniel, and I want to introduce you first to a Daniel in my life, and that is uh, my son Daniel. There's a blank slide up there at the beginning. While he's getting that up, uh, I've had a wonderful week. On Wednesday, Debbie flew into Columbus, and she has been here uh, since uh, Wednesday, and uh, we've been able to spend some time together. And this afternoon, we're headed back to Roscoe. She has to be to work tomorrow morning, and I'll be in Roscoe for a few days. Uh, I'll be back for Senior Saints on Thursday. Well, this is our son Daniel, uh, named after the character in the book we're going to be studying. Uh, Daniel is here with his wife, Tamara. Tamara was born and raised in Tübingen, Germany, has a master's from Wheaton College in counseling, and has a private practice in the Chicago area. Daniel has an MBA from Lake Forest University and works for the Baptist General Conference. They have four of our nine grandkids, and uh, you'll be seeing pictures of them later on. Our next slide is our title slide for our series on Daniel called Thrive. And as we look at the book of Daniel, we're going to discover how to live a spiritual life in the midst of a society that is opposed to God. And as we look at at the world today, we need to understand how to live spiritual lives in a secular world. And that's what Daniel is all about. I'm excited for that. So this morning in Daniel 1, we're going to be looking at the issue of dealing with dilemmas. And we have this fantastic opportunity to learn from Daniel. I need to recognize uh, Dr. Brian Chappell and others for the work in this sermon, I, I use uh, Bible, uh, Logos Bible software. It's a great tool. Uh, but dilemmas are part of our life, aren't they? There is a young couple, uh, Steve and Jessica, who are in seminary. Steve was working on his Master of Divinity, which is perhaps the hardest master's program in the world. It, it involves three years of full-time study. You learn two different languages, and uh, it, by far one of the most difficult. You have to think rather than memorize. Uh, Jessica was working on her PhD, that is putting husband through seminary. And she was working at a pharmaceutical company where she was a quality control inspector. And one day it came to her attention that a large order of syringes had been contaminated in the production process. And she, in good conscience, could not sign off on the order. She went to her boss and she said, hey, this huge order of syringes, it's a no-go. They've been contaminated. And her boss thought for a quick moment and he made a a, uh, reasoned executive decision and he said, ship them anyway. Um, He ordered her to sign the forms. She refused. The next day was Friday, 
And uh, as she was at work, the president of the company paid her a visit and said, listen, you have until Monday to decide if you're going to sign those forms, and if you don't, I want you to know your job is in jeopardy. Well, that just opened up a whole can of worms. I mean, if, if she lost her job, she lost the ability for her husband to go through men- to, to finish his uh, ministry training. Uh, this meant the change for future ministry, change for all kinds of family plans. And it, it, um, all of this was in jeopardy. Their hopes, their dreams uh, shattered over the decision that would be made in the next couple of days. Everything this couple had learned about personal holiness, about global transformation, about witness in in the face of difficulty, all boiled down to this dilemma. Would Would she, would they stand firm in tough times from the contamination the world was pushing on them to approve? Was the witness of their holiness worth the cost involved? What's the most recent dilemma you have faced in your life? Pressures come from all kinds of different directions, don't they? There are bosses, there are family members, there are finances, there are competitors, there are friends, there are relatives, uh, there are church congregations, there are own desires for success, for satisfaction and significance. Dilemmas are a part of life. And Daniel and his friends faced these dilemmas, and we're going to look at one this morning. The pressure, pressure will be something any one of us face when we seek to live for God, when we seek to stand firm for, a, to stand firm for God in a world contaminated by sin. That's why the Bible in order to help us to prepare for the realities of life, speaks in such plain language about the risks, the reasons, and the rewards for holiness. As we look at Daniel 1, let me just give you a brief background. Israel had lost a war to Babylon, a much larger, superior army. Taken captive at a young age, Daniel and his friends are selected by their new king, their conquering king, to serve him. They're probably teenagers. At the same time, these guys want to remain faithful to God and the regulations he had given them for daily life. In honor of God's word, let's stand And uh, let's look at this passage of scripture from Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 8, and I'm going to go on to verse uh, 17. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now Daniel had caused the official to sh- now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel but the official told Daniel I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink why should he see you looking worse than other young men your age the king will have my head because of you then Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel Hananiah Mishael and Azariah Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. 
Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat royal food, and treat your servants as you, in accordance with what you see. So he agreed and tested them for ten days. And at the end of ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Thank you. You could be seated. Like I said last week, we could just end here with a big plus for all moms and simply say, eat your vegetables, but the passage goes much deeper than that. Uh, we're going to look at the risks of holiness. The account of Daniel and his friends make it clear that there are risks to holiness. Have you ever thought about that? Uh, the Bible is practical enough to let us know the reality that we are engaged in when we are followers of Jesus and that we need to be prepared. You can't do what is required of you in our culture if you don't know what is likely to come at you. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, committed to living in obedience to the Word of God, you have to understand that risks are going to be coming your way. It's part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So as we look at this, we need to ask ourselves, what risks am I willing to take for God? What risks does Southgate Baptist Church need to take in order to honor God? So we look at this risk of holiness. What are the risks? The facts of Daniel's life are simple enough. He is a prisoner of war. Any dreams that he might have had are, are dim, if not extinguished. And yet into this environment comes this ray of light as King Nebuchadnezzar requires and demands that, that select young men from the royal families of Israel are brought and are entered to be trained for government service. And as a result, Daniel and other promising Jewish slaves begin to be trained for positions of honor and power within this new kingdom, or within the kingdom of Babylon. And they got to go from being the king's slaves to eventually being servants in the government. Daniel rising to the position of prime minister. Daniel and his friends just needed, just needed to accept the privileges offered. They needed to keep their heads down in order to keep their heads on. To, to question the king's decisions would not only put, put Daniel's position at jeopardy, his future, but also his life. But Daniel did question. He didn't want to defile himself by eating the meat and the drink offered to him. The Bible says that Daniel resolved in verse 8 not to defile himself with royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in that way. And the risk of Daniel doing that is seen in verse 10 in the response of the official. And he says this, I am afraid of the Lord my king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should, why should he see you looking worse than other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Translation. Daniel, 
If things don't work out, it's my head that comes off my shoulders. And Daniel comes up with a great opportunity, uh, an uh, a great alternative. He says, okay, give us vegetables and water for 10 days and see if we look any worse than the others. And the guard who God had already caused to favor Daniel agreed with this vegetable soup diet. The facts are so familiar to us and are so entwined in the aura of Sunday school time that we really probably can't understand the reality of the event taking place. Why mention risks? Decisions not to defile. Decisions to be faithful. Decisions to be a witness. Decisions to be holy. To stand firm for God. They involve potentially terrible risks. It's easy to say when everything is going well, well, I'd be more than happy to take a risk to offer up my security and my success to maintain my relationship with God. It's easy to do that in easy times. There's an old saying on a sinking submarine, there are no atheists. Uh, God cares enough about us to put this clear message in Scripture. Holiness is risky business. And if we won't face that, then we're not going to be ready for the, for the battles, for the obstacles, for the problems that stand in our life's path. It doesn't take warlike conditions to be in a war for holiness. Standing for God in the face of a dilemma is a risk. By the way, Jessica refused to sign the okay to send the syringes. She was fired uh, that day from her job. Don't minimize the risks of holiness. The Bible doesn't. Don't pretend that living for Jesus is fun, is easy, and is painless. It's not. The Bible doesn't tell us it is. Don't minimize the risks of holiness. Whenever we pretend that holiness is easy, we cut off and isolate and undermine those who are taking active stands for Jesus. We have personal idolatries that jeopardize holiness and produce defilement in our lives. The idols that, that we are prone to serve in North America are success, security, position, uh, pleasure, or simply just being liked. An acquaintance of mine years ago, uh, probably 25 years ago, made a trip to Myanmar uh, in order to share the gospel and, and encourage Christians that were living there. While Paul Borthwick was there, he, uh, he uh, came down with a disease that caused him to become a diabetic. It, uh, I think type 1, it destroyed his pancreas. Uh, we understand that there are risks to serving Christ, risks to being a Christ follower. The Bible is filled with stories like that. Hebrews 11 is one. And, and history tells us 
that, that there are risks to being and serving Jesus. Those risks might not be to health. They might, not be to, they might for others, be uh, risks to income or seniority or position. But regardless of the nature of those risks, we help each other when we acknowledge that being a Christian means being a risk taker. In fact, during one of the early pandemics of the world, Christians were called riskers because Christians were the only ones willing to take care of people dying from illness that was easily spread from person to person. And Christians died by the scores in order to serve their communities and show the love of Christ. So what risks are you willing to take for Jesus this week? Look at, us what, look at what has happened in this immediate neighborhood in the last two weeks, the shootings, uh, the events of last, uh, of last Sunday night. How can we, as Christ followers, speak truth and peace into that environment? How do we gain credibility in, in our community so that we can speak for Jesus? What is God calling Southgate Baptist Church to risk for his glory and his honor on the south side of Springfield, in the city of Springfield, in the state of Ohio. There is a fellowship of risk that enfolds in, all who strive for holiness. We'll each, uh, we will each be more willing to stand for the Lord and less inclined towards discouragement and con- <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> will be less inclined or prone towards discouragement and conflict uh, when we are aware of the risks that we share with generations that have gone on before us by people who are followers of Jesus and, and don't forget where Daniel's story leads from, from these captive people come generations of suffering that is only going to be relieved by a suffering Savior. We should expect nothing else. The Bible warns us, it tells us that the world is opposed to the followers of Jesus, to the things of God, and it, it, it is opposed to people who strive to maintain a close relationship with God. This is part of the story, but we need to remember it's not the whole story. It is not the rest of the story. There are risks to holiness, and there are reasons for holiness. And when we understand the risks, we need to know why the Lord allows them. And it's not... Why doesn't God just make being a follower of Jesus easy and simple? Why not just pave the way for us? The first reason God allows us to face such risks is that they are preparation for the spiritual battles that are still to come in our life. 
The book of Daniel goes from one cliffhanger, one spine-tingling episode to the next. Look at the next five chapters. What do you see? You see encounters with a death-dealing king, nightmare visions, a giant golden idol, a foray into a fiery furnace, a king, uh, a king turned into a wild animal, a prophet of God thrown to the lions. Each trial leads to a greater challenge. That's the point. Contamination keeps on threatening lives kept pure for God. Each initial choice uh, of holiness is a preparation for later battles. Our, our tendency when facing battles today is to wonder why God has abandoned us. Why has he left us to such difficulty? And, and Daniel helps us to understand that the Lord isn't abandoning us, but he is preparing us for greater work in the future. If you don't think that way, that the present trials are preparing for future purposes, then present trials will overwhelm you. Today in North America, tens of thousands of people who have called themselves Christians for maybe decades are leaving the church, are disassociating with Jesus, I think in large part because they are not prepared, because they do not understand the gospel, because they do not understand the risks. And for those of us who study church health, we have a new category. We, they're called the duns. D-O-N-E-S. People who are done with church. People who are done with Jesus. People who are done with, with thinking about serving Jesus. It's just too difficult. Understand, Satan will do everything he can to get you to stop serving God. To stop you from developing a close relationship with God. Uh, if, we, if all we see are trials, then disappointment and conflict will destroy us. But if we see that God is also preparing us, never allowing us to, to experience more than we can handle, but that he is stretching us, that he is moving us, that, that he is working with us to, to strengthen us for greater work within the kingdom. When I used to play football, we would practice twice a day for four hours, often in 100 degree heat with high humidity. You would lose 10 pounds or more in a single practice because that preparation taught us to prepare for the game. As a firefighter and, and chaplain with police and fire, you prepare for the crisis. Uh, last week there was an explosion that rocked rocked in Illinois, right next to Roscoe. Flames went up over 600 feet into the air uh, as a building was destroyed within minutes. Firefighters were prepared. Um, when we face today's battles with resolution and hope, we are being prepared for what we will face tomorrow or next week. Friends, do you know any church that God is allowing to go through trial right now? Can you think of the future that God has for Southgate Baptist Church?
It's exciting. That's, that's the way it is for Daniel and his friends. Today's battle are preparation for future ones. God is preparing them as he is you and me to be his instruments. This present trial, these, that present trials are preparation for tomorrow's battles uncovers another reason that the Lord allows us the pressures of defilement. And that is for our protection. By being prepared, we're being protected from the consequences of our enemy's victories. We're being protected. And Daniel faced, Daniel faced greater battles than his diet. I mean, when you look at what's happening, this is a relatively minor issue. Because of committing to serve the Lord with integrity, Daniel is without defilement. And that term defilement in chapter 1, used in a negative sense, also carries with it the idea of desecration, removed from any closeness, uh, removed from the presence of God. The implication is that Daniel wished to be spiritually protected from the blemish of sin. His holiness kept his heart close to God. And as a result, Daniel grew not only in knowledge of Babylonian literature and wisdom, but God gave him the ability to understand God-given dreams and visions. Verse 17. The underlying, the understanding Daniel had of God's ways in, indicate that his holiness prepared him for closeness with God. A fellowship of Daniel's spirit with the Holy Spirit, if you will. He could face Satan's assault with wisdom and courage prepared by the lesser battles of the present. Daniel was protected for the greater battles of the future. If we don't practice current holiness today, God's standards won't protect us tomorrow. The consequences of sin are pleasant only for a short time, but the ultimate result is great hurt. God loves us enough to protect us from that future hurt by calling us to current holiness. A trial is never without its purpose. God protects us from greater harm by giving us the opportunities to learn how to depend on Him now. So that when later trials and temptations come, they don't overwhelm us. Remember what Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing? And it's in the small trials that we face that we learn that we can depend on God. We can learn that we, we are dependent on Jesus. God loves us, and he calls us to holiness. Now, the, we need to make a commitment to holiness in our life. Unfortunately, some of us, when faced with a dilemma, have said, you know, I'll serve God better at a later time. This might sound blunt, but no, you won't. Whether your present trials are, are personal or private or moral or financial or familial, if you're not preparing for tomorrow's battles through today's holiness, you will not be spiritually strong enough to stand for the Lord. 
Your marriages will suffer. Your relationship with others will suffer. Today's trials are the training ground for tomorrow's battlefield. Let me say that again. Today's trials are the, are the training ground for tomorrow's battlefield. The time to stand firm is now. Later is too late. Well, we've talked about some of the risks of holiness. We've talked about some of the reasons for holiness. Now let's look at some of the rewards of holiness. God's goodness is evident in the life of Daniel and his friends. We see God protecting them. Apparently, vegetable soup is is good for them. Verse 15 says, At the end of ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any other young men who ate the royal food. God preserved their health, and he prevented a capricious king from simply cutting off their heads. God kept Daniel and his friends safe. But more than that, God overwhelmingly blessed Daniel and his friends. They were considered by the king ten times wiser than all of the magicians and all of the the counselors and all of the people who spoke to the king and tried to give him wisdom. On top of all that, Daniel understood the dreams and the visions that God brought. His protection, uh, uh, Daniel's protection of his relationship with God was rewarded by this closeness and this communication that allowed Daniel to understand the things of God. There's a very simple reminder for all of us who are in positions of spiritual authority as pastors or or lay leaders or parents or grandparents. Our wisdom is inevitably tied to our holiness. Our wisdom is intrinsically, intimately tied to our holiness. They're inseparable. God is more than just protecting you. He is watching out for your well-being. One of the rewards is the preservation of our well-being. Remember Jessica who was forced to leave her job because of contamination in the pharmaceutical company? God didn't abandon her because she refused to sign. The order didn't go out. Uh, When it didn't arrive, the company started an investigation and the investigation revealed that there had been contamination and Jessica had lost her job to protect that company from receiving defective product and to prevent their clientele from receiving contaminated product, even though it cost her her own job. So what did they do? They hired her, they gave her a pay increase, and she finished her Ph.D., by putting her husband through the rest of his master's training. God is able to provide for all of those who stand for him. But now we're faced with a little bit of a dilemma, aren't we, when we think about life as a whole. Uh, These success stories whether characters biblical or contemporary, turn out so nice and neat. But more often than not, my experience is life doesn't come with a ribbon and a bow. 
God is able, but is he always willing to rescue the holy from earthly trials? In fact, this gift of Daniel, well, Daniel's well-being isn't wrapped as nicely as it might first appear. Yes, Daniel is preserved, but he is still in captivity, and he remains in captivity until he is an old man into his 90s. He will see his people enslaved for that entire period of time. He will see them forced to bow down to pagan gods. He will never again see his homeland. He has visions and prophecies that God gives him where he sees that for generations his people will suffer because of their disobedience and they will be enslaved. And and he... Well, we can... We can speak of God preserving the well-being of Daniel and the people, but how can we really talk about that in the face of a greater reality? The first is by being reminded of that greater reality. This life isn't the end of all things, nor is it the bulk of our existence. Life on this earth is just one inch in a thousand-mile walk or a 10,000-mile walk. It is just the beginning. We are, according to the Bible, immortal beings whose spiritual life is being preserved and protected beyond the confines of our earthly existence. Some of us might receive tangible rewards of holiness. Uh, We might not receive tangible rewards of holiness until we are in heaven with the Lord. And yet the writer of Hebrews says that God is the rewarder of those who diligently serve Him. The rewards of holiness are guaranteed, but they aren't always immediate or discernible or present in this life. We need to understand that. Don't make the Bible say what it doesn't intend to say. The question we face, the matter of faith we're being challenged to consider, is whether or not we think the spiritual rewards are real enough to weigh against the risks of earthly life here. That is what the life of Daniel is meant to confirm. Daniel stood his ground. He didn't stand alone. He had three friends with him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or when I was a kid, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed you go. I mean, that was the last word for my parents. Um, The simple message is that our holiness is a witness to those near us. By our holiness, we, we express trust in and loyalty to our Lord. But more than those that are close to Daniel are also impacted by his witness. Of great reward to any who stand for the Lord is the knowledge that by our faithfulness to God in the midst of dilemma, we are are participating in the proclamation of God's gracious nature. We're meant to see Daniel's life not as a guarantee of uninterrupted glee, but as a token of the irrepressible grace of God. Why are Daniel's people in captivity? They had sinned. They had warped their worship of God. Uh, They had compromised with his enemies. They don't deserve 
his attention, much less his mercy. And, and yet Daniel reminds us that God is present among his people. God's power hasn't left us. He is still providing. Israel had been faithless, but God remained faithful to his covenant. God remained faithful to his people. He provided a witness for Israel, the nation through whom a promised redeemer would come for the nations of the earth. And when that witness and his companions honor God, honor God, they show his presence by supernatural ability, uh, activity, his power by Daniel's preservation, the continuation of his promises uh, through the prophecies that Daniel is given. And in response to Daniel's holiness, God provides for his immediate well-being. More importantly, though, through Daniel's holiness, God provides a witness to the reality and the permanence of all the spiritual truths that are more important. If Daniel would risk his reputation, his position, uh, his life for this pure relationship with God, it must be some kind of relationship and God must be some kind of God. His stand for God while facing loss was witness. Anybody else hear that ringing in your ear? That, but our sound people could. All right. So, so his stand for God is a witness about the unrivaled grace of God. Daniel's willingness to risk everything shows how precious his relationship with God is. And you need to ask yourself how important or how precious is your relationship with God and what are you doing to preserve and enhance it. To deal with the dilemmas, we may not, when we're dealing with dilemmas, we might not appreciate the beauty that the plan of God the plan of God is for our eternal soul Daniel's circumstances remained dire in many ways yet God safeguarded and guided Daniel in a way that even the worst seeming disasters became instruments of God's grace for him and others understand as we look at Daniel we understand the that a holy person is powerful in the hands of God. Especially in times of trial. For that witness to our souls, Daniel's witness to our families and the nations. A holy person is a powerful tool in the hands of God. How will God use you? How will God use us collectively as his instruments? We need to remember there are two groups, not talk, uh, people not mentioned in the chapter, but they're definitely in view. The first, we see the later prophecies of Daniel that the people of Israel will go through many generations of heartache. They will often wonder, is God faithful? Where is God? Does he care? Can God do anything? Can he help us? And the life of Daniel stands as a continuing witness to them through the present, 
Though the present might be difficult, God is greater. He is faithful. And He intends somebody else to understand this message as well. And that is you and me. We are witnesses of God's faithfulness through His experience to Daniel. By preserving Daniel, God is preserving a nation called Israel so a Redeemer called Jesus can come and save a person called Bill, a person called by your name, and by tens, 10,000 by 10,000 more. We understand that disaster is a or the crisis is an opportunity for the gospel. There are risks, but there are also rewards of holiness. And that is eternity for those who come to faith in Jesus Christ and are under, uh, understand the real, precious, eternal promises of God. Eternity will be different for people today Because today there are men and women and kids who are seeking to remain pure and holy in their relationship with God. And they are sharing their story uh, and taking risks just as Daniel did several millennia ago. They want to honor God with their lives. Daniel took those risks for a reason. Knowing that the greatness of God's grace is and reward of his eternal care. For those who know the grace of God, there really is no greater reward to know that we have been used by him as witnesses to secure the eternal destiny and welfare of other people. Today we had baptisms. A couple of weeks ago we had baptisms showing that people's lives have been changed, that people are seeking to identify with Christ. Uh, these have been younger people. We need to see people in their 70s and 80s coming to faith in Christ. We need to see people in their 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, and 20s, and teenagers coming to Christ. What risks will you take for Jesus to honor Him by being His witness in this world that desperately needs his truth. While we might be looking for some great plan to change our culture, we have to understand that God is emphasizing here the, the, the power of simple piety, of a choice on our part to live for him and serve him. It's one person talking to one person in our community that brings peace to our community. It is one person leading one person to Christ that makes a difference for eternity and the celebration ringing out in heaven. That one person can be you. That is the way we make a difference in a culture where we stand as a minority where the culture is turned from God. We seek to honor Him with holy lives dedicated to witnessing to His grace. And as we pursue holiness, our spiritual welfare and witness is God's delight, and it is our greatest reward. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for Daniel. And a simple lesson learned over a delicate dilemma Would he choose to defile himself by violating the standards God had established, or would he choose to remain undefiled? Would he be creative in seeking answers and seeking alternatives so that he could honor you? 
Father, we pray for wisdom. We pray for courage. We pray that we would pursue personal holiness. And Father, we are so thankful that when we fail, your word promises us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That doesn't mean we go back to num- to ground zero. That means, Father, we continue to grow, continue to develop, continue to prepare for the next battle we face. We lean heavily into you. We are dependent on you. Our church is dependent on you. So, Father, we ask for your blessing. Help us to live holy for you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.